Good. I've just uh, been for a walk with my family. Uh, it's Sunday Sunday morning here. Well, not anymore. I think it's past 12 o'clock now, but yeah, just, just taking it easy on the weekend um, and then ready for another week. How's uh, New Zealand treating you? Is the weather nice? The weather is nice at the moment. The, the, weather, uh, the, the mornings are getting a little bit colder, uh, but it gets to about, uh, well, I work with degrees instead of Fahrenheit, but it's about 20 or so degrees during the day at the moment. I think it's yeah. like 70-ish Fahrenheit, 65, 70. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I The, the conversions <laughs> always screw me up. I mean, I think we're like the only ones left on Fahrenheit over here in America. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it is because Fahrenheit always sounds like really, really hot because you get up to like huge, you know, huge numbers and stuff like that, you know. So it's, it's one of the biggest differences, I suppose, between, you know, like you're saying, between us and the states and stuff with the with the different um, metric system and all that sort of stuff, you know. I think we're the only ones holding out, aren't we? America is the only one holding out. Potentially, yeah. But you guys are a big part, you know. Lots of people in America. We're a major part. I think 300 yeah. and 312 million, 360 million. I don't know yeah, how many people are here. Seems like there's less and less. I guess there's actually, I just read a statistic that more people are actually turning 65 uh, this year than they are turning 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's, there's a big, I suppose, a big problem with that sort of worldwide where, um, there's a lot more older uh, people than there are younger people. It's all the boomers and stuff that are coming to that age, eh? Yeah, I think uh, I, I want to touch it a little bit on that as far as like the trade goes because yep. as we know, there's a lot of uh, older people in the trade and the line trades. If you look back in the 1990s, there was a massive influx. Like You made not that much money. Up until 1990, linemen really doesn't, didn't make that good of money. There was such a surplus of linemen, and if you look at the chart, it's steadily declining, but the, the yep. industry is growing at 9% a year annually. Yep. That's probably a pretty conservative number, just with everything being so reliant, and especially here in America. Uh, California, like California for a good example, um, their entire grid is just, they can't handle it. They have to constantly rebuild, develop that, that infrastructure, and with all these older people retiring, you know, made made their money over the last 30 years getting out of the trade, uh, there's going to be a massive influx. I mean, the next five years, every trade is going to be competing for people. And I'm afraid yep. that the line trade does not have enough light on it versus excavation or uh, plumbing, uh, electrician, things like that, where there's going to be a massive void. And that's, that's the whole reason that me and Austin personally started Livewire Academy was to make it more affordable, to bring better information to a larger crowd. Yeah. Um, and that's basically primarily the entire reason we started it because just these high schoolers don't know what it is. And if they do know what it is, they don't know where to start. And yeah. if they want to start, they go to a line school here in America, which is very expensive. So um, – that's kind of my spiel on it. <laughs> no, but I, I completely agree because I see the same thing uh, in New Zealand. Um, the last two and a half years, I've just recently started my own comp like contracting company. I'm back on the lines again. But uh, the, the previous two and a half years, I was involved in training uh, and, and training a lot of the new trainees and stuff coming coming through the uh, yeah the line line trade. Um, and I see the same sort of thing. Like when I started as a, a, a trainee. 20 something years ago um you know you'd have like one trainee and then potentially you'd have you know 20 or 30 other blokes that are all 
5, 10, 20, 30 years deep. Nowadays, you know, you'll have a lot more, we call them trainees or apprentices or whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. You'll have a lot more trainees, apprentices, and a lot more guys that are, you know, sort of only about five years, seven years max in the trade. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's a it's a worldwide problem. And what you're saying there about other trades, it's true because when if you're not in the trade, you don't really know about the trade. You know, you, you need to get in before you before you need to know someone. And you know, before you sort of realize, oh, that that's an actual thing you do. You know. Yeah, and that's that is a massive problem because I had no idea until Austin. Austin's my brother, obviously he's journeyman lineman. Yeah. Uh, he it's apprentices over here, uh, the apprenticeship program, um, and it takes about seven thousand hours, four years ish to yeah. top out. Uh, but yeah, from just the research I've done, I shoot videos for electrical infrastructure contractors to try to yeah. you know get talent. I've worked with some big contractors and they literally have had to pull people from Europe to complete big jobs because there's not a big enough labor pool here in the States. And usually yep. the trends are started here in the States because we have all the money here and uh, yeah. that. So yeah, it's crazy. Um, and then I didn't know about it until my brother became a lineman and he, he didn't know about it other than we had a cousin who did it and he's like, oh, go do this. Uh, yeah, and he yeah. ended up spending $15,000 to get training. Uh, when you can just get training for free in the apprenticeship program or get paid to train yes. realistically, right? Uh, yeah. Obviously, you need some certifications and a little bit more information. But So uh, how long have you been in the trade? I think this is my 22nd year, 22nd or 23rd year this year. So um, I started off when I was about 17, and I was straight from school. And I was just lucky enough to be put with guys that they became like they they not only they really taught me about myself really you know not just about the, like the trade but they um, they sort of uh, shaped me as a person and the same person like the person that I am today you know so you know with a seventeen year old you have to have people that have a lot of patience yeah. um, you know to keep you know seventeen year olds they, they're very hard to keep on task and. You really got to shape them to work hard and all that sort of stuff, you know. So they did a really, oh, they were really good guys. None of those guys now are in the trade anymore. They're all retired and moved on and all that sort of stuff. But I did, um, I worked for the for that company for about five years or so, the, the one that took me on. And then um, I went overseas and did some line work over in the UK, um, Scotland and Ireland. And did that for a few years. And then, um, Basically went back to New Zealand again and um, became a live liner. So we do – New Zealand is probably a little bit different to, to what it is in the States. So you mentioned before that the actual apprenticeship is four years in the States. Mm -hmm. See, ours is only two years. Okay. It's two years and it's a little bit different. Like we have kind of like a line school but not really. Um, you go away every six months basically on a course – you do a week on that course, you get a bunch of credits and, and unit standards and all that sort of stuff. And then after two years, you go away for two years and you have like a final exam, basically. And then, then you get your, your qualification. Mm -hmm. But you need to hold that qualification for a further two years before you can do live line, you know, hot stick work mm -hmm. and hot glove work and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I did that. I've done that for about 10 years and, after uh, being in the trade, 
I suppose for about 18, 19 years, I thought, oh, I might do some training and um, did that for a little while. And then this opportunity came along where I could start my own company, basically, um, with my brother, who's a line mechanic as well, and a, a good friend of friend of mine as well, who's a line mechanic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's crazy. I, I had no idea, so I, it's, that's pretty cool to hear. Um, mm. So... I know obviously the trade as a whole, like you said, it, it's it's not for everybody, as I've no. as I've noticed, kind of witnessed. Um, do you have any like pros and cons of the trade? Obviously, me personally, one of the biggest trades. I'm not a lineman, but I've hung out with a lot of them and filmed a lot of yep. them. Is the brotherhood aspect. Uh, the yep. other aspect is making a ton of money, kind of unlike any other trade, right? I mean, yeah. it is dangerous work. The money potential is there. What would you kind of say the pros and cons are? Uh, of being a line worker lineman for me personally i've always been able to um i suppose set challenges for myself within the industry um and you know whether or not i was able to achieve them um it was it's it's good for me to have something to to work towards and i think the industry is big enough uh where you can start sort of as an apprentice or a trainee and work your way up to becoming a lineman you know, you're looking up to your foreman or your crew leader, whoever whoever your boss is or supervisor, you know, have aspirations potentially of, of you know, filling their shoes at some point or, you know, doing that role and, and so on. There's, there's always, once you reach a certain, um, you know, point that you're aiming for, there's always a, somewhere else to go again after that, you know. And another part is that I like, me personally, I like traveling a lot. I like meeting new people. So with getting my qualification, I was able to basically travel all around the world. I've, I've worked, like I said, I've worked in the UK. I've worked in Fiji, Australia, um, yeah, New Zealand, all, all sorts of places, you know. So the, the qualification's taken me, you know, lots of different places. And, and I've been able to meet friends and, and fellow lime mechanics or linemen all over the world. Will you say that that's your favorite part about it is the travel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I've obviously it. talked to a lot like in the line trade or you get to travel to places that you would never travel otherwise. Like you'll be down in some ravine 30 miles off a highway or getting helicoptered in and it's yeah. like an experience unlike anything else. Um, yeah. And like even me, I've gone and filmed in some very remote, remote locations where it's like, where am I? The GPS is taking me somewhere I don't know. So it's, yeah. it's really cool um, to hear that. I it's funny because, yeah, having talked to people right in the trade, you usually get two responses. You get the money and you get the travel, right? Which is yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but the travel, the travel, the part is just is very cool. Yeah, for me, the money's never been like money's good, but money will come if you do a good job. You work hard, you know. You make a good name for yourself. The money will come. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the money. It's good to have, like, you know, it's awesome making good money and buying things and all that sort of stuff. But, it, you know, it necessarily shouldn't be your your number one focus because you should be getting enjoyment out of the job, you know. Yeah. And if you enjoy the job and, and you've got plenty of thing to, things to aspire to, the money will come. It mm-hmm. will come, you know. Yeah, I think with that, though, and especially people in my generation, I'm 23, so people who are my age trying to get into the trade – the money is a driving factor. So my whole oh, yeah. thing is they come for the money but stay for the brotherhood, yes. right? They oh, yeah. fall in love with 
the people, the atmosphere, the culture, the brotherhood of the entirety, the nature of work, but that initial attraction of those big dollar signs, right? We everybody wants to earn money, especially it seems like my generation is very keen on that yeah. idea of making money. So uh, this is a little bit of a personal question. I always ask everybody, but have you ever had some like really good years? And if, if so, are there any numbers? Yeah, so it's probably not equivalent. I've seen some of the what you what some of the top guys basically earn in the states, but there's two times where I earned like really really good money in my career. Um, it's going back to the sort of early two thousands when I went over to the UK, and this is like for New Zealand. This is New Zealand dollars. So back in those days, a line mechanic in New Zealand was probably earning around fifteen, maybe sixteen dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. And when I went over to the UK, we were earning twenty euros an hour. So that was equivalent to us almost earning sixty dollars an hour, you know, which was huge. Oh you know? yeah, I mean back for two thousands, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, about oh, when was I? When was I in Australia? Six, seven years ago. When I worked in Australia, really, really, really good money there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was around forty. What were we on? About forty-five dollars an hour. Um, and then you get, you know, after you do forty hours a week, you get, you know, double time. You get your wet weather money. You know, when you work away, we were getting. Um, look, pep, like, I think you guys call it per, per diem. Per diem. Yeah. 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 So we were getting about two hundred and I think it was eighty dollars a night as well wow, you know which wow. was tax-free so that was really you know really really good money where we where we were potentially earning between you know three three and four thousand dollars a week you know which was which was, was really good yeah it's crazy so now that you mentioned in the states like top earners um there are literally people uh in california now <laughs> preface this by saying they have no personal life all they do is work Yes. But they are literally earning half a million dollars. Like no lie, yep. half a million U.S. dollars. Being a, I was saying now that, they're yeah. yeah they're working 16, 18 hours a day for the yeah. entire year. But the numbers are just insane over here, or the possibility for those yeah. numbers are insane. Now that's only a couple states where that's possible. Or if you're working storm work, so over here the yes. hurricanes come in. If you're a journeyman lineman, you have your golden ticket and you get selected. You get a phone call say hey. You want to come on storm and yeah. you know, the money starts getting real good. But I think base rate over here depends on states. Um, yeah. And it depends if you're in the union or if you're non-union. Like we, we're very pro IBEW, which is union uh, here in the States and Canada. So yeah, it really depends. But those numbers, the potential is just insane, but everything is bigger yeah. in America. So <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the, that's the other part of it. Are you, to, to earn massive money, you got to put massive hours in. Yeah, yeah. You, know? you got to be working the weekends. You got to be doing the 12, 14, 16 hour days. Yeah, that is it. You have no life at that point, really. But it, it's just crazy to me that you can come out with no college degree. Uh, actually, yeah. you will graduate with an AA degree once you finish the apprenticeship program, but you don't have to go to college, no prior earning. And it's like, it blows my mind because. It's just insane. Like the numbers are, are dumb. <laughs> oh, I just you know, like the like I said, the money is awesome, but you get to work with like really cool equipment. Oh, you know, you yeah. get, tell me another another job where 
you could be working with cranes, with diggers, you know, with four-wheel drive vehicles and, and all sorts of stuff, you know. Like, to me, to me if, you, if you asked any boy and you explained the job to them, they'd be like, that's the job that I want to yeah. do, you know. Yeah. Maybe like all the machinery and stuff that you play with, the places that you go, you know, there's the thing of earning good money and all that sort of stuff. It's a it's a great job. I just don't think that it um, advertises advertises its well, you know, itself well sometimes. Have you ever driven like one of them track machines like in the swamps? No, I haven't. No. But I, I I've operated diggers and you know on tracks and stuff before, but no, that's that would be uh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, there's uh obviously we get a lot of snow and stuff over here, so yep. they ha- we have all types of machinery on these big tracks, and you know yep. you're you're ten miles back or hel- have you ever done any helicopter work? Yep, yeah, done plenty of helicopter work. So like long lining or? Nah, we do. We, they do do a little bit of that in New Zealand, but we mostly do it for when we're running new wire yep, uh, or when we're putting poles in remote places that we can't get the vehicles to. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah the helicopter work is probably my favorite. Um, yeah, that, it looks cool. On, like when you search that stuff on YouTube or you see it on TV, it looks really awesome, you know? Yeah, it's like you're strapped up and you're hanging, you know, yeah. 40 feet below a, a chopper flying yeah. six miles in to this remote yeah. wilderness area. Yeah. Um, yeah, so kind of moving on, we touched on it a little bit, but where do you kind of see the future of this work going? Because like you said, it just seems like there's a lot of old people retiring, a lot of, there is a decent amount of young people coming in, it seems like that old knowledge is getting lost. Where do you see the next five, 10 years for the line trade? Uh, me personally, I, it's funny that you asked that question because I was talking about this just last week or the week before, and I think the next five to ten years it's going to be huge for this trade um if if i'm just talking about new zealand in general but this is what the whole world is doing everyone's worried about you know going green and 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 getting battery powered cars and you know the heating slowly getting turned to heat pumps and all that sort of stuff it's all draining electricity you know most of the networks uh the bulk of them especially here in new zealand were built in the 1970s I'd say the ones in the States were probably built even earlier. Mm-hmm. So back in those days, there was no, you know, spa pools. There was no um, battery cars. There was, none, none of that stuff was around. So there's going to be a need for new substations to be built. There's going to be a need to, to do new wiring that's bigger, more poles, all that sort of stuff. So for the line trade, I think, like I said, the five, next 5, 10, 15 years is going to be huge, you know, but you got to have the numbers and the people to do it. That's the thing. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. So uh, a problem here is we're running into a material shortages, which I think everybody yep. is, um, just due to the past two and a half years with the COVID yeah. situation and the manufacturing just grinding to a halt, essentially. Um, the utilities aren't putting out work because yep. they don't have material. So oh, wow. they don't have material and they don't have guys. So Typically, they'll be they'll look. Okay, can we get a contractor? Can this contractor complete this job in X amount of time? Right? Yeah. Can we get them to bid on it? Is there going to be enough material? Things like that. And if it doesn't check all those boxes, they're not going to put the jobs out. Now, I think a lot of young kids are looking at the the groundman calls right now. They go sign the books and they get discouraged. And they're like, "Well, I've been on the waiting list for six months." But right now is an anomaly to what it current what it's going to be. Right. Yeah. Um, 
there's not work because there's not material, and if there's not material, there's no work, right? You can't build yes. power lines if you don't have any steel lattice structures or this, poles to put yes. up, right? Um, so yeah, it's just it's one of those things where they're there. It looks like the trade is taking a massive dip. I think the next twelve months is going to be a little hard on the trade personally. I think in yeah. the next three years, it's going to be bigger than it's ever been. Um, yeah. There's an, another story uh, in California where there were so many like Tesla electric cars parked at an apartment building, and they they literally said, don't p- plug in your car at night because the, the power will oh, go out in the building yeah. because there's yeah. not enough electricity. There's not enough infrastructure to support all of these electric cars and all these apartments. Yeah. I imag- imagine... 500 people living in an apartment and 500 electric cars plus electric buses. Yeah. The infrastructure is going to have to be quadrupled just because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. going to have to build four lattice structures with 500 kV lines into a metropolitan area. Yep. Right? To support this massive influx of electricity usage. So that is what people don't like. Anywhere you go in America, you see power lines everywhere. Yeah. There's going to be four of them in 10 years. There will be four <laughs> power lines, you know, separate structures running 230 to 500 kV because of the amount of electricity that's going to be needed. Now, yeah, 100%. And that's crazy. That's like quadrupling what we need to build and then obviously like rebuild and maintain that that infrastructure. Um, so there, it's going to be a massive boom. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I think once we get past this material thing, then ha- have you guys noticed that over there? Yeah, we're starting to notice it a little bit. Um, where it's, if it's hard for you, know, like it's, if it's hard for you guys to get material, think about how hard it is for New Zealand. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, at the end of the world, you know. So we're starting to feel it a lot, you know, um, a lot of the, um, not so much in the electrical industry, but if we look at the building industry where they're building houses, huge shortages you know like they can't finish houses you know they can't finish uh, whole subdivisions and all that sort of stuff just because the material is not there mm-hmm. so like you say i i agree with you like it's going to take it maybe and then we'll boom and this might might be a little bit hard for that 12 months but after that it's going to be huge i think yeah so uh, any advice for somebody who might be 18 or 17, still in high school, or maybe they're working a, another blue collar job and they're just not really happy with it, right? Because being happy with your job and enjoying what you do is a massive part of it. I mean, that that should be the biggest part of it. Obviously, yeah. we talked about the draw of other things, but what would you say to them if they wanted to get into the trade? Like, what what words of encouragement or advice would you give them? Well, for me, if you. It, uh... Like we talked about, it's, it's hard to get into the trade if you don't know somebody. If you know, if you know someone, it's easy. Hit, start talking to that person, get some advice from that person. If you don't know anyone, go and visit your local. Uh, find out where your local, uh, you know, power authority is, or where the uh, where those guys work. You know, maybe knock on the door there and say, "Hey, I'm I'm really interested in doing something. You know, how do I get into this industry?" And the guys there, you know, hopefully if they see that you're keen. You know, uh, we'll help you out if you get your foot in the door. You know, it's all about, you know, being hungry, you know, always learning. Everyone's always learning. Like even I've, like I've been in, I don't think I've been in the industry long, but say 22, 23 years, I'm still learning every day, new little bits and pieces. You know, that's what it's all about. So don't ever think that you're going to be, you know, at a point where you know everything, mm-hmm. you know, so. 
you're always going to be learning. Do do you need to know somebody in New Zealand to get in? Is that a big deal over there? It is, it is. But I think nowadays they do a really good job of attracting people to the job. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge push to get um, women into the job. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Excuse me. And um, the, the company I used to work for, they they take on between 12 and 15 trainees a year. Mm. So they, they do a really good job and they get potentially, you know, 100, 150 guys applying for these jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, so they go to all the schools, the, the local sports clubs, you know, and they do a good job of, of, of recruiting now, whereas they potentially didn't do, you know, 10, 9, 8 years ago. Yeah, so over here it is a little different. Um, I, I guess on the the non-union side, it might be a little different. But here, you sign the books uh, yeah. and apply for your apprenticeship program, and then you get put on a waiting list. And actually, knowing somebody here does nothing for you, regardless of what anyone wants to say. Um, yeah. It actually does not curry any favor. Like you are on a list now. I will say, if you are a veteran and you've served in our our army. There are certain yeah. power providers who will put you at the top of the list to get into the apprenticeship program. So that is literally the only point where you have a leg up on somebody. But here yeah. it is different in the fact that you sign the book and then you're on that list. Um, you get a phone call. You, They say, okay, come in for an interview to the apprenticeship program. They interview – when you get interviewed um, – you have a chance to get in. If they like what you have to say, then okay, you get accepted to the apprenticeship program, and then you're you're tied to them for the next seven thousand hours virtually. Yeah. And that is uh, every weekend you have schooling and and the whole nine yards and working your. It's just seven stages of the apprenticeship program, um, and then yeah. once you top out uh, and take your final test and get your what we call the golden ticket or the journeyman's card here, uh, yeah. you're good to go. I mean job security, et cetera, et cetera. Now, it can be hard to get in, but for anyone watching, uh, instead of going to a line school before line school, essentially, go get job site experience as a groundman, travel yeah. somewhere, get four months under your belt before you even apply for the apprentice, or apply for the apprenticeship, but make sure you have job site experience because they will not bring you on, almost like yeah. 99%, they won't bring you on if you don't go and get job site experience. And yeah. they sell them the wrong dream. They say, come to line school, and you're going to get in, and they don't. They, it's yeah. You spent an extra 12 months when you should have been working as a groundman because my brother Austin, he actually um, didn't have the money to go to – because he was right out of high school. He got a job. Then he had to pull a loan out to go to line school. And wow. he, he actually got um, – Accepted into the Lions School right away, which is kind of rare because there can be up to 12-month wait times here to even get accepted yeah. into the preschool virtually. Wow. Um, he got out and did an inter- apply for the apprenticeship program, got an interview right away, and they turned him around and said, go work for six months and come back to us. So they, he got his interview. They said, you have no work experience. We don't think that you're going to be a good fit. Go work. So I think four months later, he got another call say hey come and interview and they let them on right away yeah but they're looking for that on the job experience when you do your interview if you don't have yeah, that just, yeah yeah you're gonna lose the next I agree with you, man it just makes it a little bit easier as well if you've got some other or if you've got a little bit of experience behind you 
Mm-hmm. And they, and they uh, want to see you work with people like Jimmy, right? They, they want to see that you actually understand the trade because you're on the job. They want to be able to call your foreman or your supervisor and say, hey, is this guy a good worker? You know, what's he doing? Does he bust his butt out there? Does he ask questions? Is he going to be a good fit for our apprenticeship program? And yeah. if you have people vouching for you and, and you get in and you study and you learn and you get your golden ticket here. I mean, yeah. it's home sweet home, but um, yeah, yeah. it can be a little time, time intensive mm. for sure. So. Uh, it's, yeah. I, I completely agree with what you're saying there. It's, it's, uh, I think to come into this job or to go to line school completely green without having done anything mm. would be pretty hard, you know? Yeah. 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 And I think, there's probably multiple reasons that they want that. I'm sure if you are working for four months it's and you don't like it, you're not going to continue with the apprenticeship program, right? I think it leads yeah. a lot of people who just aren't made for the trade out of the trade before they enroll them. And then it could have been somebody else who's actually going to go all the way. So I think there's multiple reasons that they do it. Um, but get jobs at experience first, then – yeah. Do your interview for the apprenticeship program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but that's good advice. That's good. So, Jimmy, is there anything else that you want to add to this podcast? No, nothing. Uh, just just for the people that are potentially listening, that who are listening and they want to get into the trade, you know, um, it, to me, the biggest thing is always, you know, if you make it in and, and you become a line mechanic or a linesman, it, it's, it's all about looking after each other. And, and keeping each other safe and keeping each other accountable. You know, if you see something out there and you know that your friend or your mate, you know, should be wearing his gloves or they should be testing this or whatever, call them out, you know. There's, there's nothing worse that you see on job sites is where guys are too scared to sort of say something and then that leads, you know, that, that grows and grows and grows and grows until six months down the track there's an incident and it was something to do with what someone you know, was afraid to talk about or something like that, you know. So it's always about keeping your wits about you. You know, being on a, a on a site, there's multiple hazards. You know, if you think about all the things that we deal with, we cut trees, you know, we work in storm conditions, we use cranes, diggers, all, all sorts of stuff. So there's multiple things happening on a site. It's all it's all about keeping your wits about you. And, and the main goal always is, you know, make sure that all the people that you work with go home safe at night to their mm -hmm. families, eh? Yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, it's it's the measure twice and cut one, once rule in the line trade for sure. Yeah. You know, you're working with very high voltages. You know, one wrong uh, move and you bump into a conductor that's 120,000 volts, and you're probably yeah. going home in a body bag, and that's just not good. That shouldn't happen yeah. with the safety protocols and things these days. So, be your brother's keeper. Yeah. That that's what it comes down that's to it. in the line trade. Yeah, hundred percent. So, thanks, Jimmy. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It was a great conversation. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank you for having me. It's uh, It was a good conversation. Nice, even though we've never really physically met each other or mm -hmm. even talked to each other. It's a good conversation. So, well, you go and enjoy your Sunday. Um, 